Some of you may be familiar with the uh, musical Oliver, which is based, which was made a number of years ago. This film is based upon uh, the book Oliver Twist, which was written by Charles Dickens. And this book speaks about, uh, tells the sad story of a boy who was orphaned and was therefore placed in a workhouse. In those days, in the early Victorian ages, in the 19th century, uh, there was no sort of social care system as we have today. And uh, poor children uh, had to, were placed into workhouses, which were like, almost like slavery shops, really. And they were made to work very hard, long hours, and were given very meager portions to eat. Well, according to this story, one day Oliver was put forward by the others to ask for some more food. So he went up and he said, please, sir, may I have some more? And the man in charge of the workhouse was absolutely furious and he, he took this boy and he handed him over to work for an undertaker. And he was told to sleep among the coffins. And according to, and, and in this film that was made, at this point, as Oliver is placed down in the cellar among the coffins, he sings this song, Where is Love? I'm going to just read a few lyrics from this song. It says this, Where is love? Does it fall from skies above? Is it underneath the willow tree that I've been dreaming of? Where is she whom I close my eyes to see? Will I ever know the sweet hello that's meant only meant for only me? Who can say where she may hide? Must I travel far and wide till I'm beside someone? Whom I can mean something to? Where? Where is love? Now I suspect that many today are asking that question. That question that Oliver asks in that song. Where is love? Is there anybody out there who really cares for me? Is there anyone for whom I am special? In a few days' time, many in our society will be sending messages back and forth, as it'll be what they call Valentine's Day. For some, it is a day of happiness when they are reassured of the love of a husband or of a wife or of a very good friend. But for many, Valentine's Day is a day of great sadness. In vain, they wait for the loving message to arrive on the phone or that Valentine's card to pop through the letterbox or that bunch of roses to be delivered by a courier. But nothing comes. 
And they're reminded of their loneliness. They're reminded that they are alone in the world. Nobody really seems to love them. And even amongst those who do receive such messages, for many there is this nagging suspicion, well, that message was really only sent because he wants something from me. He doesn't really love me. He doesn't really want my best. But he just wants to use me for a short time and then throw me away like an old dishcloth. And there are many in our society who flit from one relationship to another, desperately seeking love, but unable to find it, unable to find that person who will really love them. And so many are asking this question, where is love? Well, the Bible tells us that there is one who loves us more than any human being can ever love us and ever will love us. One who truly cares. One who meets our deepest needs. One whose love never fails. Who is this one? Well, it is none other than Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth. He is abounding in love. If you're a believer already, he has lavished his love and goodness upon you in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're not yet a believer in Christ, he stands ready to do so. He wishes to welcome you in his embrace and to pour out into your life blessing after blessing after blessing. And so uh, this morning I would like to give you a sort of like a bird's eye view of the love of God. Now this is obviously an impossible thing to do because this is such a vast and enormous subject. One could speak for weeks on end about all the different facets and aspects of the love of God. But I want to try to give you a, a, a a brief overview, a brief summary of the love that God has for those who trust in him. And my hope as I do this, my, my desire as I do this is twofold. First of all, it's my hope and prayer that those of us who are here this morning or those who listen uh, online who already know already trust in Jesus might be strengthened in their understanding and their belief that God really does love them 
it's one of the tricks of the devil that he tries to get believers to think that they're not loved by God. And so we need to be reminded from the Bible about how God really does love those who are his true believers. And so I hope and pray that if you already trust in Jesus, you will be encouraged this morning as I remind us of the love that God has for his people. But also, the other thing, the other reason why I want to talk about this this morning is because there may well be some among us this morning who have not yet truly trusted Jesus for salvation. You believe in God, maybe, uh, but you've never really come to him and put your trust in Jesus that he will save you from your sins. And therefore you don't, at this point in time, really know and experience that love which you could be experiencing. You're experiencing God's love in a general way in terms of providing for your needs and so on and so forth. But you're not yet experiencing that love in terms of him meeting your spiritual needs. And it's my hope and my prayer this morning that if there's anybody in that category this morning who, who has not yet come to Christ and trusted in Christ, that God will help you to see how wonderful his love is and how you could experience his love. And God will move you to come to him and trust in him. Now, uh, I say this is an impossible subject because it's such a huge subject, but I want to sketch out for you six aspects of the love of God this morning. Uh, and, um, and the first is this, that God's love is an exceedingly generous love to all those who trust in him. God is so generous. He lavishes his blessings. He brings blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing into the lives of those who trust in him. Let me mention some of the blessings that, that, that come to those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, the forgiveness of sins. If you trust in Jesus, all your sins are completely forgiven. We have this great long list of all of our debts which we owe to God. And we cannot do anything to, uh, to, to, take, to, to, to cancel out that long list. But the Bible tells us that that great long list God took away and he nailed it to the cross and he held Jesus responsible for the sins of those who trust in him. And that means that if you trust in Jesus, all of your sins are completely forgiven. You have no debt that you owe to God anymore. God looks upon you 
as though you were complete, as though you'd be lived a life which was completely pure and clean in His sight, for from the day you were born until the day you die, you are justified, declared not guilty in the sight of God. Then another blessing is the blessing of redemption. Not only are we for those who trust in Jesus forgiven for their sins, they are also redeemed from slavery to sin. In our natural state, we are slaves of sin. We can't stop ourselves from sinning. But when you trust in Jesus, God takes you out of the kingdom, out of the slavery of the, 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 the slavish kingdom of the devil, and he brings you into the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're set free from slavery to sin, and you're given the power to live in a new way. Because God gives to you the Holy Spirit, who comes to live inside you, who changes your nature, and who, who gives you a heart that wants to please God, and gives you the strength to serve him in your life. Another blessing that God gives is the blessing of adoption. He brings us, he makes us his children. He says to us that we can call him father. And we are part of his family. And that brings us to another blessing, which is the blessing of being part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who trust in Jesus are brought to be part of the family of God. And with all of the other true believers, they are part of a a loving family where all the people of God love one another and care for one another and are able to build each other up and help each other in their daily lives. Moreover, God has given to us the blessing of being, those who trust in him, of being joined to Christ. We're part of him. And all that is in him becomes ours. His life becomes our life. His blessings become our blessings. His glory becomes our glory. Moreover, those of us who belong to Jesus, we are raised up with him. That passage that we read in Ephesians 2 talks about how we were once dead in our sins, but God made us alive with Christ and He has raised us up with Christ and he's seated us with him in the heavenly places. If you belong to Christ, you are now seated with Christ in the heavenly places. And he's given to us also the hope that we we who belong to him will have glorious New bodies, these bodies that we have now, which are growing old, which are subject to decay and to death, 
they'll be replaced with wonderful new bodies which will never feel pain, which will never grow tired, and which will never get ill. And we have the hope, those of us who believe in Jesus, we have the hope that we shall, and this is a sure and certain hope, that we shall be part of the new world that God will bring into being. God will remake the, the heavens, he remake the earth, and there'll be a new world which is completely free from all suffering, from all decay. And in that new world we shall see, those who believe will see God himself. will see God in his glory and will shine them, themselves in glory in this wonderful new world. We will see him and we will know him forever. So this love which God has for his people is a generous love. And I've just, I've just very, very quickly sketched these blessings, but here are these amazing and wonderful blessings that God lavishes upon those who trust in him. Now, that's my first thing. Secondly, God's love is an entirely undeserved love. These great blessings that God gives to his people. Have they done anything to deserve it? Is it that these people who are blessed in this way are a particularly noble people? Or a particularly deserving people? A particularly religious people or upright or moral people? No! We are the exact opposite. We're terrible sinners. And all that God lavishes upon us is completely undeserved. Think of those Ten Commandments. I'm sure many of you will know of, these, of the Ten Commandments that God gave to the people of Israel. We've broken every one of them, haven't we? You shall have no other gods before me, said God. But... We've lived our lives as though there is no God. We've ignored him for much of our lives. God said, you shall not have any idols. But we've made idols for ourselves. False gods. And insulted God by instead of worshipping God, the creator, we've worshipped and served created things instead. Misuse his name. Well, we've done that, haven't we? Use the name of God in a careless and foolish way, or the name of Jesus in a careless and foolish way, perhaps just as an expression of surprise rather than as, as a, 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 out of true worship of God. God said we should keep the Sabbath holy. But the Lord's Day, we have just ignored, treated that many of us just as, a, as, as a, any other day, as a day to do shopping, as a day to go to do the DIY, as a day to do the ironing and the laundry and, and all the other things 
or perhaps to, to, to go online and purchase things. God has said we should honour our parents and yet so often we have, many of us would say to our shame that we have dishonoured our parents and not loved our parents and honoured them as we should have done. God said, do not murder. But we, Jesus said that, that uh, if you got angry with your brother, you've as much as murdered him. If you've said, you fool, you're in danger of the fire of hell. We've done that, haven't we? We've, we've been rude to people and insulting to people. Got angry with people in the wrong way. Commit adultery. God says, do not commit adultery. And yet, how many of us have, have sinned sexually in the body? And if not sinned sexually in the body, have sinned in the mind through lustful thoughts. God's word says, do not steal. But how many have been dishonest claiming with benefits that when they've been working at the same time and being dishonest in other ways? God says, do not lie in it. How often have we, have we retold a story as if to make us look good and make the other person look bad? God says, you shall not covet. But how often have we coveted and longed for things that belong to other people and felt envious of others? The truth is that we've broken all of God's commandments, hundreds, thousands Millions of times. We don't deserve God's love at all. We're, we're, we are prime candidates for hell. Every one of us. If we got what we deserved, that's where we would go. And yet God in his great grace... His great love, his great kindness pours out these blessings. Blessing after blessing after blessing upon people who do not deserve them at all. God's love is undeserved. And then thirdly, God's love is a very costly How was it that God was able? How is it that God is able to show such love to people who've been such terrible sinners without compromising his holiness and his righteousness? Well, the answer is the only way that God could do this was by giving his only son to come into this world and to die on the cross in the place of sinners. We read earlier from, from um, 1 John, this, this wonderful verse. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. There had to be a payment for our sins. 
God's just anger at us for the wrong that we have done had to be satisfied. Who could satisfy that justice of God? We couldn't satisfy it because when we try to do good works to pay up for our sins, we only do more good work, more more bad works. The Bible says that all our righteous acts are just like filthy rags in God's sight. So who can pay? If you were to put if you were to sacrifice a thousand sheep, could you pay for your sins? If you were to give, if you were to to work really, really hard and get together a million pounds and then give that million pounds away to charity, could you pay for your sins? But what we cannot do, God has done for all those who trust in him. He gave his only begotten son, his one and only son, the one who was as much divine as he, the eternal son of God, he took on human flesh. He became a human being. He, and then he died on the cross in the place of sinners. He bore the wrath that should have come upon us. We cannot begin to comprehend what that will have cost the Lord Jesus Christ as he hung on that cross and as the wrath of God against the sins of millions of millions of people was focused in upon his own dear son as he hung on that cross. What a price he paid. What, 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 what suffering he went through on that cross so that sinners like you and me can be forgiven and have eternal life. What a price was paid by the Son. What a price was paid by the Father as he gave up his Son for us. God's love is a very costly love. Then fourthly, God's love is a deeply caring love. There is somebody who really does love you. Really does love you. Who really does care. Somebody who is concerned for every detail of your life and who's prepared to hear every single sorrow every single complaint every single difficulty in 1 Peter in Peter's first letter Peter says cast 
all your cares upon him because he cares for you he loves you and you can tell him everything that's troubling you and he will listen and whatever is his will to do in answer to that your concerns if it's within his plans and you bring that request to him he will do it that's his promise he will only not do it if there's some other reason why for your good he knows it's not going to be good for you but he's a gracious God a loving God and a powerful God who is able and willing to hear your concerns you say how can one being hear and be concerned about the concerns of millions and millions of people that cannot happen you say well it can't happen humanly but God is well able to because he is God He's able to hear your concerns. We sang that hymn earlier, didn't we? What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. He's never going to say, I'm too busy for you. He's never going to say, don't bother me now. I'm not interested. Not God. He's interested. He wants to know. He really does care. And then, fifthly, God's love is an unchanging love. God says, in, uh, the psalmist says in, in, in um, Psalm 103, from everlasting to everlasting the Lord's love is with those who fear him God's love is an everlasting love he says to his people I have loved you with an everlasting love how different is God's love from human love many people seem friendly for a while and then you do something or you say something that you didn't for some reason they suddenly turn they don't want to know you anymore they don't want to talk to you anymore they don't even answer your messages anymore you say, what have I done? you can't understand it but God's not like that he doesn't change he loves you if you belong to him he loves you as much Today, as he did a million years ago, and he might, he'll love you as much in a million years as he does today. Nothing that you can do can stop God from loving you. Even when you fail him and even when you disobey him, he will not stop loving you. Because his love depends upon his own choice rather than upon your actions. God's love 
is an unchanging love. And also, finally, God's love is a welcoming love. Let me read you some words that Jesus said in, uh, as recorded in Matthew chapter 11. And verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is is light. God's love is a welcoming love. Jesus says, come. Come. What qualification do you need to come to God and to receive his love? Answer, you need to know that you need his love. That's all. And you need to be willing to leave your old life and to put your trust in him, to come like a little child and just trust in him, to hold out your hands and say, please give me your salvation. You don't need to have achieved a certain moral standard you don't need to be of a particular racial group or a particular educational group or a particular income group. Whoever you are, whatever you are, whatever your history has been, whether you've been religious or whether you've been non-religious, whether you've been quite well behaved by this world's standards or whether you've been absolutely atrocious by this world's standards, no matter who you are, no matter what you are, whatever your background, there is a welcome for you in the kingdom of heaven if you will come to Jesus. You might say, well, I've tried being a Christian before and I haven't done very well. He says, welcome. Come, come. Whoever you are, whether it's for the first time, whether it's for the thousandth time, come. The only person who's not welcome is the person who refuses to come. The person who refuses to say that he's a sinner or she's a sinner. The person who says, I don't really need God. I don't want God. I don't want to serve God in my life. You can't, you can't know God's love in, in this way they've been talking about because you're refusing God's love. But if you will receive his love, he's, well, he's ready to give it to you. Revelation 21, verse 17, says this. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. 
Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Come. Do you want the water of life? Come. Do you want to be saved? Come. Do you want to know the love of God in your life? Come. He's ready and welcome, ready to welcome you, ready to receive you. Isaiah 55, God says this, Come, everyone who is thirsty, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine with, and milk without money and without price. God is saying come. Why would God say come if he says, no, I don't want you. He wants you. He's calling you. Come to him. He's ready to welcome you. He's ready to lavish these gifts, these blessings that I've spoken about upon you. You just need to be willing to come to him and to receive what he offers. So let me just run through those six points again. God's love is a generous love. Lavishing blessings upon people. God's love, secondly, is an undeserved love. We have done anything at all to deserve what he gives those who trust in him. His love is a costly love given at the price of his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ, dying in agony and shame upon the cross. God's love is a deeply caring love for all who come to him and trust in him. It's an unchanging love. And God's love is a welcoming love. Well, what should we do? Well, first of all, if you've not previously trusted in Jesus, do what those verses that I've quoted just now said. Come. Come to him, trust in him, and receive his love. Let him love you with the love that he wants to pour out upon you. And for those of us who have already trusted in Jesus, what, what should the lesson of what we've been thinking about today be? Well, don't waver in your belief in the love of God. The devil will try to make you think that God doesn't love you. He'll point at something in your circumstances. What makes you think God loves you when that's happening in your life? Believe. Believe the word of God. If God didn't love you, why did he give his son to die for you on the cross? Answer that question. If God didn't love you, and you're a Christian, if God didn't love you, why did God 
open up your eyes to the truth about Jesus. If he didn't love you, why did he give you the Holy Spirit? If he didn't love you, why did he wash away your sins and and give you eternal life? How can you say he doesn't love you? If he didn't love you, why is he going to give you a resurrection body? Of course he loves you. Of course he loves you. Never doubt. If you're a Christian, never doubt the love of God. Serve him gladly. With joy. Unquestioningly. And love others as well. As he has loved you, you love others. Well, may God write his word upon our hearts and may we be encouraged by him.